0: This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This episode features Joanna Carpenter. Joanna is a NYC-based actor, singer, director, innovator. She's a badass martial artist. Um, She has some dope fight reels you can check out super inspired me charged me up and uh on the innovation side so she does some cocktail directing and works in the bar industry um if you know me that's something i've been a part of for a while here in new york as a a lot of other actors have um we're currently um unless the bar is doing takeout or something we're all at home right now uh Doing other things, and what she chose to do is create a program called 86 The Barrier, which is an emergency ESL program for for low immigrant hospitality workers. We talk about it in the conversation. The first language that they're rolling out is English, with plans to expand to other things. Um, I also want to mention that me and Joanna met, I think, first at Actors Launchpad, but then really got to know each other at Jen Waldman Studio. And it happens to be Jen Waldman's birthday today, so happy birthday, Jen. Um, We love you. We're all super inspired by you, and thank you for making space for all of us artists and uh, kind of providing a structure, an ever-evolving structure for us to grow and be the artists and people that that we want to be. So this was a great conversation I had with Joanna. I hope you enjoy it the links to her will be in the the show notes as always and yeah without further ado this is joanna carpenter let's have a conversation there we go yeah. can you hear yes
1: <laughs> hi
0: hey joanna how are you I'm
1: good how are you
0: pretty good pretty good you know all things considered
1: all things considered it is it is pride it is 88 degrees out, and the world is upside down. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. I assume, I'm going to make a little bit of an assumption here. Um, I I feel, because we've been involved in some of the same communities, uh, specifically JWS during a lot of this time, Mm -hmm. and we were in Shine Mm -hmm. going into all of this, which was all about um, becoming and... Showing and letting shine the artists like that's kind of the the people we need to be or mm-hmm. the people where we want to be, which is funny that's the the book we're actually reading this month in that yeah. community um but so going through that, doing all this mindful work and then having the world go upside down, I feel like it's a great opportunity, and I feel like a lot of people who are in that experience are kind of looking at it the same like maybe not everything was good before we kind of knew that um but also with everything disrupted doubled down even more on building and being building the world we want to see and being the people that we want to be in that world so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i've that's what i've witnessed watching you um <laughs> how has it been for you though
1: It's, um, oof. Yeah, it was, it was so, it was a blessing, um, having shine to kind of, uh, ground me at the beginning of the year. Um, I had a lot of goals coming into 2020. I had a lot of plans, um, that shit got derailed real fast. Um, it's, it's been interesting. I have had to, I've, you know, I discovered when I was like 17 or 18, just how racist my upbringing was. So, and like, as an, as a mixed Asian person growing up in a very small town where I didn't see anybody that looked like me. And I heard go back where you came from for the first time in like sixth grade. And I was like, where is that? Um, I started to uh, really unpack this at a young age. So I was like 17 or 18. And as the years have progressed, I have been blessed to uh, be surrounded by some really, really gifted, brilliant people of color who inspire me, who question me, who, uh, you know, we, there's a lot of trust and there's a lot of mutual respect and admiration. Um, This time right now, um, I, you know, everybody's talking about how uh, the social uprising that's happening right now feels different. And I think it does. And I think one of the biggest differences um, is the fact that as a society, we are not just scraping at the tip of the iceberg right now, we're now looking under the water. So it's not just about black versus white. It is about colorism between different ethnicities. It is about uh, gender normative thinking. It is about um, the LGBTQ community and finding identity as a person of color. Um, when in many communities of color being queer or gay or trans or non-binary or gender fluid, like you, that's not allowed. Um, so we are digging into the subtlety and the nuance. That's really, really, it's so powerful to watch. And, you know, for me, I'm, I'm having to grapple with my own identity. Um, as an Asian person, you know, I grew up having my identity erased by mm-hmm. a very racist parent who she refused to talk about my Chinese background unless she was demonizing it. And so I had to fight over the last decade or so.
0: To so get is that. that your mom?
1: That's my mom.
0: And was she, is she white or Asian? She's
1: white. She's okay. Cause white, some,
0: yeah. it's funny though, sometimes how I wasn't sure on that. Like sometimes there's also the thing that happens with some parents um, of like if it's immigrants or if it's like a minority culture where sometimes there's a thing to like also erase to like try to assimilate yeah yeah it's um, yeah. like a self
1: factor is big yeah it's big. yeah it's it's my birth father who's chinese and he and i never had a relationship which mm-hmm. sucks because like it would have been cool to grow up immersed in the chinese culture but he's also a dumpster fire so like it's it doesn't suck that bad
0: but then it also that complicates things because from your mom she like the feeling she has towards your dad get intertwined Uh with you know like just not wanting anything to do with the culture (laughs) exactly of course your dad as any of us we're not we don't represent all of our culture even though right we carry forth and are a part of it, you know?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. And especially mixed kids. You know what I mean? Like we get, we get the shit end of the stick a lot. Am I allowed to curse? I hope so. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> great. Um. But yeah. So, I mean, like I'm coming to grips with a lot of my upbringing and my identity and really, really working to pick apart um, anti-Black racism in particular in the Asian community and fight that. And I've done that for a long time without naming it. And I think that was to my detriment and I think it was to the detriment of the Black people in my life because it needs to be named. It's kind of like Voldemort, like you just got to name it so you can face it. So doing a lot of work on that, um, also doing a deep dive uh, into what it feels like to manage the expectations of existence as a monolith. You know, everybody loves to kind of like paint communities of color with the same brush and you just can't that we're all individuals and we have to celebrate the individual, which is why I appreciate the nuanced fighting that's happening right now. So it's been crazy. Oh, and then we have a pandemic. Um, so (laughs) it's been, it's been cuckoo bananas, all things considered. I am very blessed. Um, I have my struggles like anyone else, but my I'm just putting one foot in front of the other and trying to be of service.
0: There's an interesting just speaking on conversations that are happening and what's different about this time. Mm -hmm. um, I try to not like comment and get into debates on Facebook anymore with people that I don't know about hot button issues, but from time to time I still do. And so just the other day, uh, you know, Jenny Slate started a domino effect. She chose to like, Resigned from a role where she was playing a biracial like half black half jewish woman, young lady oh. and um basically i got into this thing and it was with like another black dude I like he might have been mixed too well from what he said i don't think he was but he was basically like well she's half jewish so i don't see what the big deal is and i was sort of like mm-hmm. well being biracial like the way i always and kind of sounds like you identify yourself similar i identify as a black man Mm -hmm. I do also acknowledge that I'm biracial, but between the two, my experience is not as a white person. It never will be. Um, I understand that I'm a lighter skinned black person. Um, Mm -hmm. and I also do like, I understand, um, the experience of white people but not the lived-in experience of what it's like not to be a person of color and yeah to be the full
1: buffet of privilege you're not right. getting the full buffet like you're getting like the salad bar a privilege yeah. everything else is fucking off limits yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: And so then the the whole conversation derailed it, it was in like a voice actors group where Oof. I, I was saying basically i would never be cast as a white person yeah um and then it was just this whole back and forth. And then he started attacking like on, oh, well you're not a good uh, voice actor if you can't play a white person. And I was like, that's, I wasn't even talking about, I was actually talking in general, um, you <laughs> know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, I wasn't saying about playing, a, like voicing a white <laughs> character, cause I yeah. could, cause it's sort of like anytime if you voice a character mm-hmm. or you do a voiceover that's not racially specific, like it's kind of assumed white you know what i mean Um, it's the default it's the default yeah but But, like the point i was trying to tell him one also it's like also we know that there isn't like yeah there are cultural ways that black people culturally speak but there's not Mm -hmm. one black voice and there's not one white voice. like you know that that whole thing but basically point is like i think it was good of jenny slate to do that. And I think it's good of other yeah. actors to do that. Yeah. Um, other people have been chiming in, have been like, well, do we have to cancel these per- people? Do we have to? And here's the thing. What's Ugh. different this time is we're not canceling them. This no. is the thing where they got canceled. They chose to set, they chose, they took it amongst themselves yes. to like step down on yes. um, but- people represent so I think for me because that's the
1: first step to education right yeah. there like, oh I just made a fuck ton of money off of this this character that I had no right to be playing
0: yeah yeah um yeah because we can't go back like of course you can look back at all, all kinds of shows and they're problematic mm-hmm. um and we know that you know what I mean even 10 yep. years ago live action shows mm-hmm. um but now yeah calling out and holding people accountable now that's what we can do uh-huh. but i uh-huh. like i'm i'm not really into cancel culture per I'm not se there. I'm you not know either. yeah but and somebody wa-
1: toxic space yeah social media propagates a toxic space so it's like okay cool you were you're gonna cancel this person who does that educate mm-hmm. because you cannot expect change via the only pathway being screaming and canceling like, that doesn't affect change. So if you're angry, you take that anger and you channel it into education. That doesn't mean directly educate that person, but that means you got to dig deeper than the algorithms. And people are so lazy and they're not doing that. So, like, and the mob mentality on Facebook, and Facebook in particular, is just so easy to get swept up in. Like, it's just, it's a cesspit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I and can't. you never... Like, it was to the point, like, with this one, because of that, I was just sort of like, hey, man, I'm not trying to argue. Mm -hmm. Like, you win. You know, you win this (laughs) argument, like, if that's what you wanted. I was just trying (laughs) to have a conversation.
1: Right, right. Um,
0: Which is actually why I choose to do this podcast. Usually, like, the people that I invite on were going to have a conversation anyway. But I also feel like it's harder to – I feel like it's easy to get – into those arguments on Facebook. It's much mm-hmm. harder to talk to people a certain way when you're sitting right across from them in real life, hopefully again, soon in the future, but, or virtually in this digital space, when you're looking face yeah. to face, there's a different conversation that you
1: have. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. You're so funny too. Cause I love, I love watching you speak because especially when we're in class, because it's like, you are the epitome of still waters run deep. I feel like I've never seen you, I've seen you talk about the most heated topics and I've never seen you get ruffled. It's just very matter of fact. And I'm always watching you like, what is happening in his brain? This is amazing. It's good, it's good because it's the people who pour all of their energy into unsustainable methods of communication that are not the educators, you know? Like the
0: the masterclass on that to me is uh, Obama.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. And I, you know, as far as politics, easily best president in my lifetime. I still have a lot of criticisms and I stand by those because I think I believe we need to hold our elected officials and people who want to lead, especially in like that form of leadership, um, we need to hold them extremely accountable. Yes. Like that's what they signed up for. Um,
1: public servant. Mm Mm-hmm. That is, that is the job we work for the public.
0: And I will say, and you're good at this. You're really good at this too, but he's one of the best people to ever, I think, um, hold the like decorum of office Mm. and sort of like how, like like politics aside like how you're supposed to carry yourself as a human being oh
1: my gosh um
0: and the amount of like not even subtle but like overt racism that he had to face and being the first he had to he couldn't mess up so he had to stand up for himself without like taking the bait without losing his cool um yeah It's
1: gotta age you, man. Like just the self-control it takes to not because, you know, for every for every one brilliant poised person, and this is my cynicism coming out for better or worse, but like for every for every Obama, there are five mouth breathers who just fucking these like these people who just there's no reasoning with them. There is no modicum of empathy where they can take one moment to agree to disagree, but see the person across from them as a human. Like you were just talking about, like, it's very, very hard to dehumanize somebody who's sitting right in front of you. But it's the people who refuse to humanize someone with an opposing viewpoint are the people who are just, they've got to be dying inside because they stay in their tiny little bubbles and their little cocoons. Like I don't, as, as an Asian woman, you know what I mean? Like the people came after the Asians at the beginning of COVID, like it was not safe. Yeah. And, I remember that. Oh my God. And like, I'm somebody, you know, like, I've got a boxing background, like I'm in martial arts training. Like I'm not scared of much, but there were a couple times that I was in public and I was like, okay. But you know, the <laughs> these people who will not see me as a human will, I don't need you to like me. I don't need you to agree with me. I need you to see me as a human. And that's what Black, Life, Black Lives Matter has been asking for literally since like 1619. But especially, you know, with, with the dawn of the, the named, the labeled movement, it's like, we're human. Hi, you know, and people being willing to dehumanize each other, it's just not a lot surprises me, but it this element of ignorance constantly saddens me that Mm -hmm. willingness to just not see a person as a person like if I didn't like you you know what I mean you're probably gonna know but I'm not gonna dehumanize you right like I just it makes me really really sad because I over the over the last probably over the last year you know like after Trump got elected I was like I still have hope for people I still have hope for people I'm gonna fight for everybody like I'm gonna do everything I can then over the last year or so I'm like there's a large part of the population. I just, I got to give up guys. I got to give up. I have to throw in the towel on you because there's people aren't other people aren't human to you.
0: Yeah. I think that's then that's so speaking of this time right now, like it, there've been ups and downs in it. Don't get me wrong. Like this Mm -hmm. is not an easy time for anybody. There's no, uh, there's no framework to be able to rely on, to like, know how you're doing psychologically. No it's uncharted territory.
1: Well, because the last pandemic, everybody died. So like, there's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> what do we learn from this? Right. Mm-hmm. And
0: like, for the first time, we're more connected digitally than we've ever been. Or I don't know. There's, <laughs> there's a, this is just a random idea I've thought about. It's not my original idea, but you know, uh, there were ancient civilizations, um, like the Egyptians, there were ancient civilizations in Asia, like all over the world, like South America, these pyramids and stuff like that. And there's some my- mysteries about the pyramids in mm-hmm. particular, and there's the legend of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so just this is just a random little idea <laughs> I have, it's not based on logic, there are books on it, like, but basically. You know how, like, our grandparents, if they had, like, furniture or if they had toys, they were, like, still solid, like, when you were a kid? Like, if yeah. they kept, like, furniture and they kept, like, thing toys even that were built, like, back in their day, yeah. they're, like, they were built to last. Yeah. Now, everything, like, our computers, um, everything in the digital age, a lot of it's in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, if... If this all goes to shit, which I'm an optimist, but I'm also skeptical. And I'm also, I'm very optimistic and I'm going to work and focus on that. But I also am well aware that this could all go to fucking shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's if, it did, if it did, what survives from now a thousand or a few thousand years from now? And I would guess Tesla. That's what survives.
1: Tesla survives. <laughs> uh, me, well, I think
0: it. like a lot of, I think a lot of things from our grandparents and maybe our parents' generation, and maybe our childhoods would exist, but a lot of things now um, will disintegrate. Like and and mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of photos that are yep. just in the cloud now. Yep. So if people look back on this time, they might not know that we were communicating digitally. And so I just wonder, like, it's possible that, like, ancient civilizations did have some other form of technology mm-hmm. that we don't even know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was too much. And then they didn't do cool things with it. They killed yeah. themselves. And yeah, and the cycle started over. So that's a theory that Woo! I don't think is that crazy by, by what we're doing now. Because I think we have... Yeah the resources and the technological ability to really do something better. hundred
1: percent. hundred percent. I mean, and you look at something like, you know, in, in the, in the vein of disappearing artisanship, you know, you look at something like the advent of fast fashion, especially over the last decade or so, mm-hmm. um, you know, clothing used to be made at home. It used to be made by hand. Um, Every, every every household had the ability to make fabric or to craft in that sense. And uh, you know, and my, my grandmother was a designer. She was a brilliant, brilliant seamstress. And I think about what fast fashion has done to us, not only economically and culturally, but also to the environment. You have these massive factories working for H&M and Forever 21 that are pumping out a t-shirt that somebody will wear for two weeks, and then it gets thrown out. And it's like, I'm always wondering where does that go, you know what I mean? Like where, where, where does the where does the the legacy live? Where does the information go? You know, like my grandmother's abilities died with her. She did not pass those things down to the women in my family, and um, I can wear pieces that she created, but like nobody else knows how to do that now, and <clears throat> and it's it is a little frightening in the sense where you see things because of technological advances, actively disappearing. Like kids don't have to learn how to write in cursive anymore. They take notes on their laptops. And like, is cursive the pinnacle of like socio-political existence and learning? No, absolutely not. But, it, you know, as somebody who's a millennial, I think about that and I remember just like, all of my year in second grade, just like painstakingly learning how to write in cursive, we don't write notes to each other anymore. Like, you know, phone calls are even going away. So it it feels like there is so much history that we are now actively watching slip away mm-hmm. because of the ease of technology, you know? And I mean, like, it's it's a double-edged sword. We can do things like this. We can. Yeah. You can have a radio show you can have a podcast and people absorb that and they take it into into their bodies and they they carry that with them but where to your point like where does that go where does that go when we die (laughs) you know like i say bring back cds (laughs) (laughs) throwback to my backstreet boys cds
0: well so speaking on where does it go where do we go like for me this pandemic it's really deepened my idea of um it's like a long held belief but i thought it was corny at a certain like i got disillusioned and kind of have ran away from it from time to time um but the idea of art for change
1: Mm. um
0: and i think we have some hard times ahead but i think it's gonna be some of the best times for art also like my favorite art has always come out of times like these. Um, So if you want to make art and you want to say something, I I believe as far as those people who don't see me as human, Mm -hmm. there's a way that I can communicate with them that Mm -hmm. they can't deny. Yeah. Like they might not get the, they might not get all of the message that I'm trying to articulate, but there's a way that I can create things that they can't deny.
1: Right. You know? Right. I'd say that
0: they won't, but.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, it's so funny because when the pandemic started, everybody kind of loved to like shit on all the artists who were upset about being out of work. And my question for any of those people is where do you turn when you're in pain? You mm-hmm. turn to music, you turn to something visual, you turn to television to just zone out for a while. You turn to inevitably there is not a single part of your life that has not been, touched by an artist, whether you know it or not, like the things that you scroll by were designed by graphic designers, you know, like the, the, the memes that you're sharing with your friends, that's still art. Is it high art? Absolutely not. But also who am I to say, what's high art and what's not, who am I to decide, you know, what, what the way in which somebody should be impacted by a picture or a sound, you know, and it's, art is literally how societies propagate themselves and i think people like you and i who are storytellers it doesn't matter what medium we're using or what medium we are forced to use by circumstances the world needs us and it's an audacious thing it is you have to have the biggest fucking balls to be an artist to stand somewhere and say hey i'm gonna speak to you because i can and it's gonna make you feel you might mm-hmm. not know what you're feeling, you might not like what you're feeling, but it's gonna make you feel. That takes some serious fucking audacity. But even when humans don't realize we need it, we need it. We survive yeah. on it. It fuels our conversations. It fuels change, you know, and it's, I <laughs> I wish that we as a, as a as humanity on a global scale could collectively learn how to be softer, with our acceptance of what we need.
0: Well, that's uh, and like, I was having this conversation. It's John Stewart, actually, he was on Joe Rogan's show the other day. He talked about yeah. it. He, of course, uh, you know, spoke on it in a brilliant yeah. way. Um, John,
1: miss him. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, and he has like a mo- new movie or something. He does, out.
1: yeah, he's got a movie coming out.
0: Have you, yeah, is it out or coming it's-
1: out? I th- I don't think it's been released yet, um, but it's Steve Carell and oh my God, who else? Who else? There's just a lot of brilliance on that screen. Um, yeah. Yeah. He was on Pod Save America the other day too. And I was like,
0: yes. But he, so he was talking about what's essential. So it's mm-hmm. like the conversation we were having before this and I'm a, <laughs> I was a big Bernie Sanders guy. I'll, I'll yep. share that. So, yeah. um, universal basic, well, uh-huh. he, uh, universal healthcare, um i sort of i think this pandemic like the idea of a universal basic income makes perfect sense because (laughs) right now what you've said is essential workers of course you have people in hospitals and you have emergency responders Mm -hmm. and you have people that can like repair houses but people that work in grocery stores are essential yes and that's like something that a lot of people were kind of like negative on the service industry, but it's like at the end of the day, just like we don't know how to make our clothes at home anymore, mm-hmm. we don't know how to get food without a store.
1: Yep. yep. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah, what is essential? You know, people yeah. working at Rite Aid, like the people driving the buses and 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 the subways. And like, do you, ever, do you ever feel like Bernie Sanders takes 32 seconds per day to just stand back and be like, I told you. I fucking told you. Yeah, <laughs> he's got to. Please, Bernie.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's like super. That's fresh. I mean, that's a whole other thing. But I think this. Oh, here goes my dog. Yay. I, um, <laughs> uh, I think the other thing is just hopefully. I I don't know. Like I again have hope that maybe people have had a glimpse into how precarious our, our current system is. Um, and I don't know, I don't, I don't like, I want to hope that things change going forward, but mm-hmm. I know it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah. Um, And I feel like, so we have our, our jobs to do as artists. Mm-hmm.
1: You know? mm-hmm. I want to I share an analogy with you that is uh, has been somewhat impactful for me when it burst into my brain. Um, so in, in distillation, there is, uh, there's a technique called the cutting where, when you're, let's say we're making whiskey, right. And like your whiskey has come out of the still and there, uh, there will be a cut to remove the head and the tail. And what you keep to throw in the barrels to age is called the heart. And when I'm thinking about, effectively, who are the, who is the target market for change? Who are people who can be educated? Who are the people who can soften and understand empathy and really, really embody empathy when we didn't have much hope for them before? And I think about the distillation process. And I think about the fact that you're going to have people at the very top and the very bottom that you're going to get rid of, that you you know, maybe they'll serve another purpose down the road. Maybe you can make hand sanitizer out of the heads and the tails. Right. But the heart, which is the majority of the, the product that you're left with is the point of your focus. It's why you started distilling. It's why, you know, you are investing in really beautiful wooden barrels. And I think we can kind of think of people the same way. If you have, you know, if you have three people and two of them are really shitty And they're not going to change from being shitty. That's your heads and your tails right there. Get rid Mm -hmm. of them. But if you have that one person that you can have a human conversation with, who's like, fuck you. I supported Trump. I will continue to support Trump. You know, all lives matter, like that kind of thing. Like, okay. But there's something in them where you say something, you're able to spark a little bit of empathy in them. And they go, well, okay, this is how I feel. And I feel like you're attacking me for saying it, but like, I, I don't understand where you're coming from. But it's that opening the door to get to the heart of that conversation that gives me so much hope. Like I I had a guy um, reach out to me. He's um, he's a black man and he uh, he's like, he's kind of like your typical like gym bro. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just like, like, big black dude. Um, he's very funny, but we got into it about a year ago because he had posted something disparaging about effeminate black men and queer black men. And, you know, I reached out to him privately and I was like, Hey, I'm not going to tell you how to speak. I'm not a black person. I can't speak from this perspective. I was like, but what I will tell you is that the way you said that was hurtful to so many men in your community and here's why. And he pushed back hard and pushed back hard and pushed back hard. And I finally just had to put my hands up and be like, you know, clearly the message is getting lost. You're like, I give up. He reached out to me two days ago. And he said, I just wanted to thank you for reaching out to a total stranger because he's like, I was so, so very wrong. And I have learned so much and he's like and i have to tell you that every time i'm on social media and people are exhausting me by asking awful questions and being stupid he's like i think about how different i would be if you had just kept scrolling
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and he was almost a tails person you know what i mean but he became a heart person does that make sense yeah like and i just like i looked at that message and i woke up to that message on friday morning and i was like Oh my God, <laughs> just tears, you know, but who do we invest in as artists? Because artists are investors too. Mm-hmm. Who and what do we invest in? And we have not, we have not been brought up to treat ourselves as investors. We have been taught to treat ourselves as waiting for scraps from the table. And like, that shit's changing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what's, uh, what do you got planned? What's, what are you kind of, it's an interesting time because I mean, I know a lot of things are, or everything's uncertain. Um, I know like with your martial, martial arts background, mm-hmm. you had some interest in like the Marvel world, like kind of the superhero oh, world. God. Um, I have that too. Also, Um,
1: we still need to like hit things with sticks, and we can see each other in person. (laughs) Yeah, over my bow staff, and we can go at it. It'll be great.
0: I, I actually was doing something at Actors Launchpad the other day, Mm. um, just online, and they had something about the elevator pitch. Uh huh. And I've been bringing in kind of with that, like in a one minute thing, if you're trying to tell somebody who you are, yeah, like about art for change. Yeah. And then about, I mentioned the superhero thing a little bit, and they were sort of connecting that. So that's also <laughs> something I think you can connect uh-huh. and use. Like, there's a reason beyond, like, that it's fun, but it's like there's a story. And I yeah. do think there's sort of a mythology with, like, the superheroes yeah. in a way. Like, they're people that, yeah, they're people that strive to change the world. Yeah.
1: Yes. Well, and in Mark Shanahan's adaptation class, the last assignment was to make a superhero. Right. And I, I love Mark Shanahan so much. Like he's just, he's the greatest. And I was like, oh, this assignment made my week. Like, this is absolutely perfect. And getting to do a deep dive into like what I would look like if I was a superhero was really fucking cool.
0: (laughs) I just like, I, I didn't end up doing that assignment, but I just <laughs> realized, um, I wrote like a blog piece about that. Like about a year mm. ago, I was really? in a program and you know, it's like one of those things where you visualize something and you, have you ever heard of like making, there's different ways you can call it, but like where you make like a kind of a mental palace, like a, a mental Mm -hmm. Ah, I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's like, basically you, you construct a place in your mind, like a physical place in your mind that you can go to and kind of recharge
1: Mm -hmm. for
0: whatever reason I did that. (laughs) Yeah. For whatever reason I did that, I did this whole thing where it was kind of a place that was kind of my origin story, like in Seattle. And then it was also like South Africa where like I turned 20 and then it was also Wakanda And so there was this whole thing of like, that, like if I sat on this kind of throne, the throne had these like magnetic properties, vibranium properties that like aligned my actual chakras and did like what I can do, like when I train really hard and like when I meditate it, Mm. like this suit and this like thing could instantly put me in like my ideal state. I'm obsessed with and this. It, it's it's it was a cool thing cuz then it's like my idea is like if you can meditate on that I can go to this place in my mind and just quickly like practice going there and quickly like lock so in. Good. Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah.
0: But I'm going to share that on that adaptation. Page. Do
1: it. Yeah, do it, do it, do it. Oh my god. Oh, so
0: also if anybody's listening to this, check out Jen Waldman Studios online. Say either me or Joanna Carpenter. Yeah. sent you. Um, oh, the best. Are you gonna be there next month? I
1: am, yeah, I am. I had to, I had to, because of what else is happening in my life, I had to cut down from like seven classes to like three. Yeah. Um and but yeah, I um I'm focusing on, you know, homeroom obviously, but like impulse training and Michael McElroy's class, which I oh my god, I'm so excited. And then Which one um, is that? Uh The Roots, the Rep. That's like the deep dive into where music came from in america because it was black people Yeah, Um, and uh dan's shakespeare class which i'm yeah yeah stoked about so yeah i will i will definitely be there i've got like what feels like a million things happening in my life right now and so let's
0: let's talk about that a little bit
1: (laughs) yeah i mean it's never it's never a boring day it's interesting um my, I'm always like a big talker about self-care and mental health um, just because of my own personal journey. And my mental health has taken a hit over the last couple months in particular. Um, and I, I tend to have delayed reactions to things. Mm-hmm. Like the first month of COVID, I was like, I'm fine. I got this. I'm going to like do custom workouts for people. And that's how I'll make money. And like, oh, I'm doing this great. Now I can pay it forward this way. And like, blah, blah, blah. It took a full month for my body to process what I was feeling. So I hit the dip really, really hard. Oh, yeah. And then, (laughs) and, you know, it's been kind of grappling with the ups and downs ever since. And I've had to just acclimate to the fact that I now live with a constant hum of anxiety and depression. That's just what I have to do. Yeah. Um, However, I don't ever think that that is a reason to stop moving. So I, um, just this past week, uh, my co-founder and my team and I rolled out a program called 86 The Barrier. Um, I came up with the idea... May 1st and it is an emergency ESL program for furloughed immigrant hospitality workers. Um, we're starting with Spanish and we're doing, we're about to start the second week of a month long intensive. It's all peer taught. It's all entirely like we built the training modules and the learning tools ourselves. Um, and that we have three wonderful teachers, um, who are in hospitality. So it's entirely peer taught. It's entirely restaurant crafted. Um, and the plan was to, like, you know, make it bigger eventually. And now it looks like we're actually going to scale much faster than we anticipated. So, um, and we're just focusing on Spanish to English right now. Um, but we're aiming to be bicostal in the next six to 12 months and then expanding to other major hospitality hubs within the next two years, as well as incorporating uh, Mandarin and French, most likely, um, primarily like Senegalese French. Um, so, I'm doing that. Um, I'm working on potentially forming a production company with another JWSer who is brilliant, um, just to kind of start. Uh, you know, until until you burn down chunks of the system, they can't be reborn. So that's mm-hmm. what the goal is with that. Um, and I, you know, I've discovered uh, through the studio actually that I actually love being a student. Like I didn't, I went to college for like two years and didn't finish and I didn't go for theater. And there's always been a lot of shame attached with that. And I have fallen in love again with being a student. Um, And I'm, so I'm being very choosy in how I spend my time. Um, But also like, I'm doing a ton of voiceover work. I am so blessed to have that consistency in my life. And it's all like fast and easy commercial stuff and like, you know, easy money, Um, very, very thankful. So there's like, it's like never a boring day and I'm trying to figure out how to care for myself amidst all of that.
0: Yeah, I I, I can relate to that a hundred percent as far as I, my problem usually, it's not taking on too much because if I I don't take on enough, like sitting still is not good for me at all either. And as far as like the anxiety and depression, I probably kind of, like I'm, I think I'm a little bit, um, probably, manic depressive. But I tend mm-hmm. towards, I tend to have more manic episodes, yeah. Um, which feel fucking great, like conquer the world, great. Yeah. Um, and then I don't usually, I don't usually like have get all the way depressed. But probably like my baseline level is just like a little bit depressed.
1: It's the hum. It's the hum. You sit there and you have like a brief moment where you're like, I don't care and I can't. And then you force your ass out of bed and you go make the coffee and you go about your day. But there's always at least one moment like that where you're just like, uh. Yeah. (laughs) And everything feels like it's closing in around you.
0: (laughs) And I probably had that more lately yeah. But I've, I've had more clarity lately at the same time, but I'm also like yeah. telling myself like I have to, yeah, get off my ass a little bit more. I think oh.
1: clarity almost shines a brighter spotlight on the depression because you're able to, it be, it almost becomes calcified. With Mm -hmm. clarity, you know, and I have this conversation a lot um, surrounding drinking, especially because I have one foot in the hospitality industry at all times. You know, like I've had a lot of conversations about people who are choosing to abstain from alcohol during quarantine, people who are drinking a fuck ton during quarantine, um, and people who land kind of somewhere on the spectrum in between. And when you don't drink, it gives you clarity. But that clarity really, really digs into those moments of depression where you're like, this feels awful
0: i i've been sober since january 1st
1: congratulations um
0: from from alcohol i and pretty much sober period but like um yeah and at the very beginning of all this i was like i don't know (laughs) and i would have been okay either way totally but i have like a sponsor and everything (laughs) um and he was like he like he said as far as like other people he knows and has conversations with um. cool that I stuck with it but like yeah. nobody would have faulted me not I mean nobody faults you yeah. Um, but yeah that hard I've pretty much decided to like not drink anymore just because mm. I feel like it's one of those not to do things for me like it's like sure. one thing that I know does not really help me I feel great I mm-hmm. love it at the time. Yeah. But if course. there's other things that I want to do, sometimes too many things on the plate, then being hungover is not really something I can afford.
1: Well, it's like what enough- Jen says, like about how are we taking care of our future self? When mm-hmm. I open a bottle of wine, I know what future Joanna is going to feel like. I know that she's going to be miserable in the morning. She's going to there's going to be a lot of self-loathing, there's going to be some eating like shit. So it's like do you stop at two glasses? Or you drink the whole bottle telling future Joanna, fuck off. Right. And we are not taught as humans to invest in our future selves because we think of future as 10 years down the road. No, 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 future self in 12 hours. Mm-hmm. How are we treating them? And like your ability to pinpoint that and go, mm. <laughs> future Alec doesn't want me to invest in this right now. So we're just like- no. After
0: many years <laughs> of beating future Alec up.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: And future, uh-huh. and but like, and then future Alec uh, like usually winning the battle in a way, but not mm-hmm. like getting things done, functioning, but not yeah. um, optimizing. So it's yeah. like, yes. and then I, and I sort of feel like it's like an excuse. This was like my experience. Like mm-hmm. there's been like a level of, it's tied deeper to like a level of self-sabotage sometimes where it's like 100%. do this and then- still go do the audition. Um, uh-huh. And then if you don't get the thing, you have all of these excuses. Yep. Instead yep. of now, what I like about this uncertain time is like, it's, and yeah, with like the classes, I've pretty much signed up for all of them every time. Yeah. I've never been able to follow through on all of them because I'm yeah, yeah, like yeah. also have other things that I'm doing. Yeah. And strangely having the hardest time, balancing my time during this excess amount of time that I have. What
1: is time though? Yeah. Yeah, But yeah.
0: I also feel like the, this, the way that we're approaching things right now is how I want to be going forward where it's like okay. every, like there's certain auditions, there's certain shows that maybe I want to do. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, whether I get cast or not, it's never up to me. It's never up to like, of course the best version of myself that shows up is going to like have a better out, like it's going to influence the outcome, but it's not going to guarantee an outcome. Right. Um, so yeah. So developing, I don't know, just approaching the work from a place that's like not tied to outcomes. Cause right now nothing's certain anyway, but it never is like, that's the thing like I think about all of this, it's like, even the most secure job, you never know, like, Mm -hmm. today could be the last. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like,
1: Like, Hamilton isn't still open. Right. You know what I mean? Phantom, the longest running show in Broadway history is not still open because sometimes shit is out of your control. Everything comes to an end, even if it's a temporary end. And like. We have, to your point, we have such a beautiful opportunity right now to re redraw the lines on what is important and what we will accept. And, you know, like not to continue to orient things around JWS, but if there is anything that this situation and this state of learning has given me, it is standards,
0: <laughs> like right.
1: pre-COVID, I'm like, sure, I'll go in for the non tour of waitress. I don't want the fucking non tour of waitress. And like, I'm equity now, so that wasn't an issue. But like, I don't want that. Why am I going in for that? Why am I saying yes to people and things who don't see me, who don't care about me, who are not good for me? Why? What is that telling future Joanna? That's telling future Joanna that present Joanna doesn't really give a fuck and you just need to like do the thing for the sake of doing the thing. Yeah. there's no room for that anymore. There's no room for it.
0: Yeah. I feel like it's like I feel this in general. Like artists, we need to stop overvaluing bullshit and devaluing (laughs) ourselves. Exactly. Like not to say that – I mean – and that's whatever, like, you know what I mean? We don't all have to value the same things either, but to like really be clear about what you value and yeah, make sure that part of what you value is yourself. Oh my God. And your, and your community, like your immediate, like, like you said, who we invest in as mm-hmm. artists.
1: Because mm-hmm. you important. teach people how to treat you. And that has to do with your profession. That also has to do with your intimate relationships. That has to do with your family. You know, like I, by the very nature of my eye contact with someone, I am teaching them how they can treat me. And there's, there's not an, a single area in our life that that doesn't hold true. And like as artists, if our greatest responsibility as artists is to create the world that we want to see and to tell stories and bring people along with us, What are we teaching people when we treat ourselves like shit? Whether it's drinking too much, or if it's not reading the book when you're supposed to read the book, or if it's not showing up when you need to show up. What are we teaching people about how we treat ourselves and how we value ourselves? Because that's how we value our art. So like, if I don't value myself, I don't value my art. And that means I'm not going to be able to change the world. So like, Mm -hmm. if you don't want to value those things, fine. But if you say you do, you got to walk the walk. Right. For the sake of yourself first.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's my soapbox about that.
0: <laughs> so, what's the production company you're starting?
1: Yeah. So we, it's funny cause we haven't been really public about it lately cause we're in the discovery phase. Um, but it's, uh, Priya and I are trying to burn buildings down. Um, we are basically, um, what I can tell you is that we are basically trying to, um, rebuild the producerial model, um, with the goal of, diversifying the final product. Um, you know, my, my stance has always been, uh, especially when it comes to the arts, you can complain all you want about not seeing diversity on stage, but you need to pay attention to who's controlling the money. If mm-hmm. you have a homogenous group of cis heterosexual white men who are controlling the money and it's a small group of them, you're not going to see the, the beautiful diversity on stages. And that's not just ethnic diversity, that is uh, disabled people, Everything. that is neurodiversity, that is all of it. You're not gonna see that when they don't feel like it's a necessary investment. If you do not control the money in any situation, you don't control the outcome. And that is a lesson that people of color have had to learn the hard way. So Priya and I are trying to figure out how to change who controls the money on a commercial scale.
0: Nice.
1: And coffee. It's great. It's like, it's so fascinating. And we we have people in our corner who are just incredible sources of information who are like this, you have to do this. Like you have to figure out how to do this. Um, Priya is very, very busy. I'm very busy. Um, but we're getting all these signs from the universe over the last month in particular because like – you know, for the two of us to become producers is like, okay, what is that going to take? Because neither one of us is going to sacrifice our performance career. However, you look at somebody like Lin-Manuel Miranda and it's like, well, he can fucking do it. You know what I mean? Like, why can't we? And we've had so many people cross our paths very serendipitously over the last few weeks going, where are the producers of color? Why are we not fixing who has the money? Who's not asking these questions? And we're just looking at each other like, (laughs) we're doing it guys. I promise. So (laughs) Yeah, so that's that's
0: that. Nice. Well, mm-hmm. I'd love to talk to you more about that um, maybe offline at some point. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. But that's yeah, like that's something that I aim to be at some point. I'm not sure mm. what that looks like exactly. I'm gonna open this door for this this bratty but adorable dog real quick. Hold on, <laughs> <keep> Distracting me. <laughs> Ah, uh, sorry about
1: that. <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's totally fine.
0: He's an adorable, like little, I call him a mini wolf. But so he has the, he wolfs out sometimes, you know?
1: <laughs> I love, I love, I love. Um, yeah, The the money conversation, we are seeing the industry have it in ways that have never happened before. Mm-hmm. And people are peeling back the curtain. And... The, the beautiful thing about a global pandemic that decimates our entire industry is the fact that the people who have their health and their safety are now ripping things off the walls. And there is such a, there is a freedom that I think we are all feeling where we don't know when theater is coming back, projections are, not to be trusted and the fuck it mentality that is just blazing through the industry right now. It's just so, I'm like, this is it y'all. This is Mm -hmm. it, we're okay. Okay, we can't go back to before. We can't because too many things have been ripped open and a spotlight shone on them. So I, I am so inspired by so many people in the artistic community, especially in New York, but across the country, who are actively just tearing their corner of the universe down brick by brick and asking questions that they would be so afraid to ask for fear of losing jobs. There are no jobs to get now, so like, let's go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's do it. Let's burn some shit down and build it again. The arts are not gonna go away. Broadway is not gonna go away. We will be fine. Yeah. But what does it look like?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think right now, I think there's like a a window. Like I have a lot of friends leaving New York. Um, mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of people leaving New York. Yeah. A lot of shows aren't going to reopen. Oh, God. And I don't know what the timeline is on things opening. And probably when they do, it's not going to be all at once. Nope. So I'm looking around like i think it's going to be a really exciting time and i think especially if you want to produce things yeah there's going to be a window where it's going to be not going to say easy it's not going to be easy no. but there's going to be i think more doors you might still have to kick them open but there's going to be the op- more opportunity to do that i think
1: the doors are not okay. padlocked anymore yeah a lot of them and yeah. I don't know. And what then,
0: and then also build new theaters, Perhaps. like build new yeah. things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, I don't know what this all means for Priya and I, and she and I are kind of on, on a major journey for clarity before we start kicking indoors. doors. Um, but yeah, I, there's, there's no rules anymore. There's no rules. I've never been a rule follower in a lot of ways anyways, but now I'm like, we get, we can literally, we are rewriting the narrative. So many people in so many different walks of life across the industry in so many different positions are going, oh, you're not going to do this. Cool. Fuck it. I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm doing. Who else doesn't know what they're doing? Let's all do this together. Yeah, <laughs> It's inspiring. It's so good. And it's so needed. It's exhausting because yeah. it's a lot of labor, emotionally and physical. But I mean, like, it's worth it. It's mm-hmm. worth, not worth it. Yeah. I'm excited.
0: It's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so what else?
1: What else? My God. I, you know what I realized? This is so funny. Cause we were talking about anxiety and depression earlier. I, so I'm like, I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a total gym rat. Like I am, I am a five foot four muscly bro. Or at least I was because between boxing on the regular my fight training and being at the gym five or six days a week and i've since i was young like sixth grade because i was a runner for a really long time since i was young there has been uh, a direct uh, very short line between my physicality and my mental health
0: oh me too 100 110 percent.
1: oh my god so it finally talk about delayed reactions it finally hit me last night that me not being able to go to the gym for four months has, it is, it has taken, it's probably the largest part of the detrimental toll to my mental health. Yeah. And it feels, it is the most entitled privileged thing for me to be pissed off about right now. But I also, I understand myself and I have said for years that if I do not have access to a gym, my mental health takes a dip. And it's really, I, I was thinking about this last night and I finally just like did some writing about it and was like, what are you feeling right now? What? Cause I hate saying that I miss things because it feels selfish, but I do. And I, I thought about the fact that I went from like deadlifting 180 pounds every day to a 25 pound kettlebell in my apartment on my cheap ass yoga mat. And I started sobbing. Sobbing. I feel like I got catcalled on the street a couple of days ago, and normally, you know, like I I don't have an issue with confrontation. Um, and normally, I'm very proud of the fact that, like, physically, like, I'm scrappy. I'm very, very scrappy. I've been in many physical altercations and come out on the on the top. You know, and I realized how physically weak I feel,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and a lot of that I think is. Is feeling mental weakness because I don't have this thing, um, but I'm I'm having to like just over the last 24 hours do a major deep dive into how I can fix this, because it is I, it's part of my identity. Is it is an absolute key to my mental well being, and it's really really like bowling me over right now, just how detrimental that loss is. <laughs> So I I already have a pair of battle ropes that I got at the beginning of COVID. But when I got them, I realized they're too short. So I absolutely spent $150 on my credit card last night buying a new pair of more expensive longer battle ropes that are getting here on Tuesday. And I've just got to like, I've got to figure this out. I've got to figure this out because I am like, in so much pain Yeah. with the loss of it. I. And I-, I-
0: my uh, Muay Thai gym hit me up that they're gonna do kind of a tester class tomorrow night like limited number and I was just like yeah I'll be there yeah
1: Um, I mean like be safe but holy fuck yeah yes yes
0: yeah and that's like there are, are certain things like you know I was I was talking to a friend about that the other day about as some on-camera things open up and stuff like that like for me i i think it's got to be up to everybody individually like yeah like i know that if i go on a set it's my it's my choice it's my risk yes along with everybody else and for me yeah ultimately that's what i want to do so probably usually it's going to be yes there was one thing I almost did. And it's like, it's a interesting story, but it was like somebody I almost, I was like called back for this play, like right, like in January, I didn't end up getting cast. Mm. And then almost got called, got called in to potentially replace somebody else in the cast. Oh, That didn't end up happening. <laughs>
1: um, but then at the Real beginning research. of
0: COVID, we made like a, the writer director called me in to make like a short thing kind of about this time. And then with everything happening, we were talking about doing something like about like kind of a conversation about racism and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that one I was going to, but it wasn't all the way fleshed out. And because race and racism, they're so important to me. And and it's been such a long conversation Mm -hmm. that one I had to like pump the brakes on as far as I don't want to do something that could be potentially damaging or like not quite the right point that I'm trying to make. Um, But that said, like, yeah, training, if the gym in my neighborhood is going to open up, I'll go because at the end of the day, we are going to have to open up at some point yeah. And my martial arts gym, there are a lot of people, but at the end of the day, those are the people I'll be around a lot like yeah. when it opens up. So Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to take the risk. Be, he- you know, be as healthy and res- I don't know what, I don't know what the class is going to look like like if we're going to yeah. do partner work or bag work. But yeah. bag work? <laughs> I missed I missed that too cuz yes. I was pretty good in the beginning of this of like working out at home. Yeah, and then yeah, like the depression kicked in a little bit. Just like a couple of weeks ago, I started mm-hmm. tapering off, mm-hmm. and then once I start tapering off, my depression starts coming up, and uh-huh. so it gets harder uh-huh. to win that battle. Um, and it's a
1: chicken and egg kind of yeah. thing, which is
0: why I like martial arts because it's like if there's a coach, and if there's other people, the competitive nature pushes me.
1: Yes, totally. I totally. can't do
0: that at home. The same same totally. way. Well, I I
1: mean, like, I. it's kind of one of those things where it's like when gyms open up and they're apparently not in phase four because I did a deep dive into research last night. Um, Thanks, Cuomo. Um, I, you know, I think that every, especially the non-chain gyms, like, you've got to show up and see what the protocol is. And if the protocol is not good, then you have to make a decision accordingly. But I also fully believe that, like, these these gyms, you know, like I know my gym will probably, at least I would hope, you know, institute like an online sign-up system, you know, because there's like four floors in my gym. So it's like, okay, we can have five people on each floor. Everybody gets an hour. Nobody gets to use the shower, or the lockers and get the fuck out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's kind of what I'm hoping they do, but it's, yeah. And it's, it's interesting that you talk about choosing whether or not to be on set. I've gotten a lot of commercial auditions and print auditions, yep where there's been a couple companies that are sending such clear uh concise um cleanliness protocols and they're like we will pay for your transportation and um here's what's gonna happen when you arrive to set and like all these things and then i've seen other companies be like oh yeah the shoot is this day and this day um we're not reimbursing for travel you have to self-report there will be hand sanitizer on site and i just respond to my agent and i'm like hell no to those absolutely fucking not like cool, I'll only be on set for two hours, but that's only $2,000 to put my life at risk. Mm-hmm. Because clearly you people are not putting protocols in place. And if you are, share them with the people who will not be wearing a mask on camera. Right. You no, know? and I just, um, it's it's so hard to know what to do until you see somebody doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's really, really hard to be like, oh, this is the perfect optimized way to do things. Because like you were saying at the beginning of this, like we have no template. We don't know. But when you see somebody doing it wrong, it's like, oh, we're not going to do that. Also, you're a douche.
0: I also think seeing people doing it right. Like, you know, like Jen Waldman's dude, like that's been super impressive to me. Oh my God. Because like also when... George Floyd happened and when the protest broke out mm-hmm. it's like this was like an easy conversation for me to engage with at Jen Waldman because mm-hmm. she's been talking about some of these structural issues before time. this versus yeah. people scrambling to like figure out the right talking points now uh-huh. and then also just watching the online studio and the price point for that and then oh I have God. things coming from other studios where it's like, <laughs> it's like starting at like double that to like thousands of dollars for intensives right now. And I'm like, trash. No. Like, trash.
1: Fuck anybody that's doing that. Honestly, fuck anybody that's doing that. Oh yeah. no, you had to buy a premium Zoom membership for the company? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, And I get it, like those intensives and like everybody, you know, everybody worships casting directors and that's cool. I'm sorry. Do not ask me to sit on Zoom for three hours with a casting director for $300. Yeah. How dare you? Because you know what it is? It's a very privileged specific part of the population that can even make those connections. The other 99% not having access to it. And I, I was talking to somebody the other day. And we were talking about all the changes happening in the industry. I'm like, if there is one place that can be the epicenter for a foundational change purely because of the nature with which it's run, but also because of the people in it, it is Jen Waldman studio. Like trickle down economics is not a thing. Trickle down leadership 100% is. Yeah. And like after George Floyd was murdered and after the protest began, the fact that So many of us didn't know what to expect coming into the next community call, the next homeroom. And she was like, hi, great, sit down. We're going to talk about this. And I was like, this is a place where change happens. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if we're on 38th Street or if we're on Zoom across the globe, this is a place where change happens. And I trust this.
0: Yeah, to the point, like with Shine even. Yeah, I think it was with Shine, but kind of like, All of last year for me not wanting to like i don't like i want to do more film and tv i don't want to do as much singing but then the thing of like reaching out to different people and like singing being brought up and and i'm like okay this is a good point you know what i mean like use your strengths don't run away from those yeah but yeah the the thing that's kept me coming back to that studio is just the overall leadership and like quality of people yeah. that are, that it attracts, you know, it's, yes. yeah. And the growth that happens there, like,
1: oh, God. oh my God. Well, and there's just like, I, I tried to count the many points of inspiration that I had that kind of like invoked something in me and I lost count two months ago (laughs) honestly like i just couldn't keep up and i'm like well i just live in a constant hum of anxiety depression and inspiration now because (laughs) it's like cool 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 it's a buffet of feelings Mm -hmm. um yeah it's the community is incredible and uh the the freedom of self that is fostered there like i didn't until we did shine i didn't realize that i needed a community I have never had a community in this way. And part of it is because I didn't go to college for theater. So I didn't have this kind of like shared pedigree with people. And part of it is because, you know, the Asian American theatrical community can be very backstabby and very catty. And I just would constantly stay removed. Once I found out that I wasn't good enough for a lot of people, because I've never done Miss Saigon or the King and I, that like, I'm not Asian enough. I was like, I don't need any of these relationships. Um, But I never, I was like, I've always been kind of a lone wolf. And like, I always do things the way I want to do. And it wasn't until getting into the studio that I realized that there is a part of me that yearns for this community. And every day I experience something where I'm like, this is why community is important. This is why we should not allow fellow performers to be isolated and think that they're totally alone because there's, there's a place for everybody here and there's inspiration for and by everybody like, and we- it's not only uh, fostered, but it's honored
0: mm-hmm. in a
1: really beautiful way. and
0: revered. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, and not cheapened because of how somebody looks or what their resume looks like. You know, I don't have fucking Broadway credits. and like Jen is really she's just become such an important fixture in my life. Yeah, you know, and she's not she's not taking care of me based on the fact that my, you know based on my resume. Like you don't have to, you don't have to apply to be seen as good enough, in mm-hmm. the studio, which is really, really sad in how rare it is.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: really sad. So I'm never leaving. I'm just going to be the herpes of the Jen Waldman studio. I'm never going
0: <laughs> What's the best place for people to like follow you and keep up with what you're up to?
1: Ooh, probably Instagram. I'm not on Twitter. I got uh, death threats for um, (laughs) speaking out against a culinary show that was racist. So I deleted Twitter after a while. Um, So Instagram, um, my handle is uh, thejoannac, T-H-E-J-O-A-N-N-A-C. And, uh, you know, Facebook, I, I use Facebook. This is, again, Jen Waldman, I swear to God. I have always kind of fostered this idea, but she really, really like crystallized it for me. Um, I've always wanted to find purpose in content. So Mm -hmm. like, am I, am I posting something that's funny that I can make people laugh? Am I posting something that's loving, that's kind? And this goes back to Shine where she was like, if your content is not generous or generative, don't post it. And I was like, that's it. Yes. yes, 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 That is the crystallization that I've been looking for. So my Facebook is a lot of, um, uh, you know, there's some humor on there, um, just like some self-deprecating stuff. But for the most part, it's like, it's a little more on the educational side nowadays. Mm-hmm. And it sounds very egotistical to say that. Um, it's like, oh my God, she thinks she's an educator. But I do a lot of speaking about... Um, uh, the intersectionality of racism and sexism and classism and my experience across multiple industries as an Asian woman, as a mixed woman, um, you know, and just like, I tend to find that I like I like to say things that other people are too scared to say. Um, especially like I'm a survivor of like domestic violence and rape, and, you know, so many awful things in our, in our society. Um, and I just like to kind of break open those conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, not in like a screamy preachy way, but just like, this is the reality, you know, like let's, if this is a shared space, let's have it be a shared space. Um, but yeah, I mean, Primarily Instagram. That was a really long winded answer for a very simple question.
0: All good. All good. That's <laughs> what we're here to do. We're here to, <laughs> yeah,
1: we're
0: here to go deep and break it down. You know,
1: I'm here for it. I mean, in, for- in
0: 10 second sound bites though. So let's try again.
1: That would be great. Oh, it's too long.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and you have a website too.
1: I do. Just joannacarpenter.com. Um, it's funny cause in shine we rebuilt our websites and I was so proud of mine and now I'm looking at it and I'm like, you serve no purpose. I need to fix it. So I'm probably going to be burning it down and rebuilding it anew. Um, but yeah, joannacarpenter.com. Um, it's just my face and some thoughts.
0: I think that's good.
1: Yeah. Face and thoughts. Thoughts yeah. and <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a good time.
0: Is there anything else you want to talk about today?
1: Oh, I think, I mean, I guess it depends on who we're talking to. Right. Um, I've been as, as black lives matter, um, continues to progress and as our society continues to evolve very rapidly, I'm having a lot of conversations with people about self care right now. Um, and I've been like screaming from the rooftops about self care before the influencers were, um, but, Uh, it is so, so important to treat your body as if you are a marathoner right now, your body and your spirit. Um, This goes back to the alcohol conversation. It also goes back to the fitness conversation. But more than that, it is about the fact that every single person who has decided to sign up to do the work, whatever the version of the work looks like for them, you signed up for life. This is a blood pact. Like you, there's no leaving now. You can't unknow the things that you have found out, you cannot unsee and unhear the things that you've experienced. And uh, I think it's key to understand that um, the emotional and spiritual conditioning that comes along with doing a lifetime of dismantling systemic racism, um, because we're all racists, we just exist on the gradient of racism, I think understanding how to care for ourselves with the goal of being able to be fully present as we care for others is so key. Um, and I'm seeing a lot of my white friends spinning their wheels right now and feeling like they have to accomplish everything and learn everything at this moment. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't. If you want to pile up 10 books in front of your face to read, great. Are you breathing? Are you drinking water? Are you listening while you're learning, are you listening to hear versus listening to respond? Um, and you know, everybody's got a different version of self-care and I would just advise, not advise, but I would offer up to everyone that that, especially now and especially for people of color, self-care is the biggest investment we can make in ourselves because that is what provides the foundation for the long haul. You can't pour from an empty cup, you just can't. There's there's no point in spending 80 hours a week on something if you're burned out and you can't process it so it doesn't stick. How is that helping change the world? So yeah, that's probably that's probably my biggest thing right now.
0: Nice. That's a solid message. Um, it's funny you mentioned the thing about having that message before influencers. <laughs> I I didn't really I remember, I don't know, it was a few years ago when I started hearing that term influencer. Ugh. Um Makes me crazy. and I don't like it because <laughs> I actually do believe in being like as an artist being an influencer, yeah, but of actual things of importance right.
1: not um, just and I feel like, pictures of avocado toes like I don't yeah, care I' not don't advertising
0: care. not self not not right. just self promotion like but oh my like,
1: God, I hate it, I don't care if your entire color palette matches. I don't care. Are you a good person? if not, why are you talking to me? yeah. yep yep i despise i have a couple friends who are influencers and they're they're pretty self-deprecating about it which i appreciate but for the most part i'm like covid being largely the death of influencer culture i'm like
0: this is fucking great i've heard some talk about a new thing also kind of about that like about not being an influencer but being uh i don't know
1: Social justice warrior. <laughs> See, I don't.
0: Let, and I don't. That one has a negative connotation too. Like I don't. Uh, that that we can go down a whole other tangent. But like the idea, like the attack of like PC culture. Uh huh. And what I mean by that is the attack of that it's bad to be poli- Like there was a time when being politically correct. It's yeah. What we're losing. I think what's disheartening right now is okay. Maybe there's like maybe sometimes we go too far in policing speech maybe cool. um but at the end of the day the idea behind being politically correct was to learn how to speak in ways that aren't hurting people yes. like that was the point Imagine. so and that's like what should be the forefront of the conversation yes. not are we losing freedom of speech. You know what I mean? like
1: Right, right. Like... What over-polarization over does, you yeah. know what I mean, is people will take a good concept and then find a way to weaponize it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, people people will weaponize anything if you give them the chance, whether it's being politically correct or, like, being a fucking vegan. They will, they will find a way to weaponize it.
0: Even, like, just thinking of, like, progressive versus, like... Who like just that like why would anybody not want to be a progressive? Right. Like you know what I mean by definition right. we should all be progressives. I'm not right. saying everybody has to believe like I don't not not that everybody has to believe what I what that means ideologically mm-hmm. but like you we should all want to progress as human beings and right. want humanity <laughs> to progress, you know? Right right um, right. So it's just frustrating when like and I guess that's like a whole other thing. We're not going to go there today, but like this <laughs> post truth era where yes. like words don't mean what they're, what they mean.
1: Yes. Yeah. We're, we live in the era of alternative facts and fake news. And yeah. this, you know, this is a mess that we all have to clean up, whether we started it or not. So it goes back to cutting off the heads and the tails. Like what is the heart of the issue and what is worth investing in?
0: Yeah. No. Well, I'm invested in what you're doing. I'm glad uh, you sat down I'm with me today. I'm invested in what you're
1: doing. Oh my God. Um, Thanks for having me.
0: I want to hear more about the production company um, and whatever that shakes out in. I'd love to be in conversation about that awesome. because I'm going to produce some things coming up. Um, I like you are. And I don't know what. Like, what's fun right now is I don't know what that looks like. Mm. I don't know. you know I don't know what I'm talking about yeah
1: yeah yeah. um
0: but I I like that you know what I mean and as an like as an artist that's the kind of work that I enjoy that's the type of people that I want to work with anyway like I don't want to work on things where the complete um where there's already they already know exactly what they want the thing to look like at the end. Mm -hmm. If you know what it is, then I'm maybe not the best person to hire for that. Like I can maybe do that, but I don't think we'd be serving each other best if you don't want me to bring anything to the table that could maybe influence and collaborate with everybody else to create something better than any of us could have done on our own, you know?
1: Exactly exactly agree i support you i support you and i root for you Always. you
0: too you too uh do you have any final parting words you want to leave
1: i don't i think i've i think i've, I've had a lot of words
0: <laughs> you have they've been good ones
1: yeah thank you thanks for well, having
0: yeah. thanks for being here and i'll see you i'll see you in these rooms soon I'll see you in the Zoom are you going to be part of the thing next week
1: I'm not, I need to, like, take a week Me to too. chill out a little Me too. bit. And, yep. yeah, I've got some reading to catch up on. I also just started, like, both Spanish and French lessons. So my brain is going to be, like, spinning. So, yeah. Yeah, but I will see you July 6th. Yeah. You
0: know?
1: That'll yeah. be
0: great.
1: We'll Yay. have good
0: um, holidays, you know? You Don't too go too. to, I mean, yeah, this is going to be an interesting holiday.
1: I'm not fucking going anywhere. Thing. Like, I might go to the beach. <laughs> yeah midweek it, next it, week just to get i need the ocean like my spirit needs the ocean but other than that i've just, I, nobody come near me yeah i'm getting a haircut on monday though tomorrow nice I'm a haircut tomorrow she needs nice. help she needs so much help
0: i actually might go see a guy about a cut like in a couple of weeks too yeah. so yeah yeah
1: yeah all right it was good to see your face
0: good to see you too
1: I'll see you soon take care you too bye
0: So that was my conversation with Joanna Carpenter. Please uh, follow her in the links in the show notes. Um, Also, I want to just call out that I broke one of the four agreements right off the bat of this interview, which was don't make assumptions. um, And I was wrong in my assumption. um, So don't do that. Do your best. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and be impeccable with your word. And I'll strive to do that. I'm saying that to me, not so much to you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great week and I'll see you in a couple of days right here. Take care. Peace.